Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. To this passage, and it's one that I, one that I preached on some years back, and uh, I began to just kind of look over it again, and the Lord kind of re reinvigorated my heart with it and, and kind of grew it in my mind and, and, and in my heart. So we're going to look here today in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, maybe a little bit different sort of message from what uh, you might, have. I don't know what you come expecting, amen, that maybe this is a little different, uh, but I think it's what the Lord wants us to hear today. So we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 4, and as, as we're doing that, let me encourage you, uh, Brother Joe mentioned that we're going to be um, sort of making a, more of a push for missions in, next, in the next year. Miss Sam came to me and she wanted to do something for the missionaries that we support for Thanksgiving, and both of us were just kind of thinking about it and thinking about it, and then we kind of came to a, an agreement that instead we would wait for Christmas and we would try to get as many of the people from the church involved as we could. I've encouraged you many times to pray for our missionaries, but we wanted to do something that would let them know that we are mindful of them. Amen? Because let's be honest, in our daily lives, sometimes we fail to be mindful, don't we? I mean, at least, at least I do. I fail to be mindful many times. Uh, but we thought by maybe assigning one to a family, you know, one family says, I'm going to pray for, for this missionary and his family or, or this, this ministry, uh, that we could make it a little more personal for our church uh, and make it a little bit more personal for our missionaries and that the Lord would grow our burden for missions, amen? And, and we're, we're not asking you to give more money, amen? We're asking you to give more of your time and more, more prayer. Uh, and, you know, if the Lord leads you to give more money to those missionaries, that's between you and God. Uh, but we want to be a blessing, amen? We, and we want, to, we want to further the gospel. And I believe that the most underutilized resource we have is prayer, amen? I mean, I, I firmly believe that. So hopefully the Lord will lay one on your heart, and we'll look at, I don't know exactly how many we've got that we support by number. We've also got some that we, we're not supporting financially just yet that we're praying about, and we want the Lord to bless them. So we will get you somebody to support and pray for. You better believe it. Amen. So we'll be praying about that, and hopefully the Lord will touch your heart, and you and your, your family can, uh, or just you individually, can take on a family and pray for them. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, 
that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to come into your house this morning. God, we're so thankful that you have dealt so bountifully with us. God, thank you, Lord, for the time we've had with friends and family over these last few days. And thank you, God, Lord, for for blessing our homes, blessing our church, blessing our country. Thank you, God, that you have just been so very, very good to us. Lord, I pray this morning as we we look to your word and we seek, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us for just a little while this morning, I pray, God, help us to have a heart that is open to the moving and speaking of the Holy Ghost. Help us to have a mind, Lord, and an ear that is ready to receive what thus saith the word of God. And help us, God, Lord, to hold our lives in the light of the Scripture. Help us to draw closer to you. Lord, we love you this morning. God, we're nothing without you. We need you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, Paul is speaking uh, to the church at Corinth, and he's trying to bring to them some needful perspective. If you read around this passage in other places here, you'll find how that Paul, uh, he will admonish them for some things that they're saying, how that some said, well, I'm of Paul, and others said, I'm of Apollos. And Paul said, that's silly. Who cares who was preaching when you got saved? Amen. That we're all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that no man is anything, and that man worship is ungodly. And, and he's, he's trying to teach them some things there. He taught them that in, in chapter uh, number 3. And we also know how that he said in chapter 3 that I've planted Apollos water, but God giveth the increase. And we know that it is God who brings in the harvest of souls. Amen. We've talked a lot about that over the last couple of weeks, that harvest of souls and how that we should be bearing forth that precious seed. But here in chapter 4, he, he kind of narrows in a little bit and he gives some admonishment not just to them, but to himself and to Apollos and to all who would consider themselves to be a minister of Christ. There in verse number 1, he said this, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. And by way of introduction, we can see here just a couple things pointed out in these six verses. We see the recipients here. And what he's going to start talking about is stewardship. Amen. Now, a steward is something that at this time people were very familiar with, whereas maybe in our modern society, you don't see it as much. Amen. A steward specifically being used in in everyday life. But Paul is going to compare those who serve Christ as stewards unto God. Amen. And here he even says, he said, those of us who are the ministers of Christ and stewards of the minister or the mysteries, excuse me, of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So the recipients of stewardship is us, the ministers of Christ. You might say, well, I'm not a minister. But the word ministers that is translated here is referring to a slave who would row in the bottom of ships. It's a servant. Amen. We are all the servants of Christ. All of us. If we've been saved, the Bible says, ye are bought with a price, wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. That when we get saved, we belong to Him. We are His servants. And if we are His servants, then we are all ministers. Did you know that you have a ministry? Amen. You say, well, not me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a layman. I just go to church here. Or I just... I, I just, I'm just visiting, or, or I, I, I'm a man, or I'm a woman, or I'm a kid. It doesn't matter. If you've been saved, you have a ministry. Uh, at, at the very bottom of the list of what men would view as all these ministries, 
which is actually the top of the list in the eyes of God, is that each of us is commanded to take forth the precious seed of the gospel. Amen. In fact, that is the main thing. Y'all have heard it said, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Y'all ever heard them say that about church? The main thing is not programs, amen. It's not special music, and there's nothing wrong with those things. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not even a Bible study. You know what the main thing is? Taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. That's the main thing. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, that's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel into every creature. Amen. The main thing is to be a minister to those who do not have Christ, to give them the gospel. A child can be a minister. A man, a woman can be a minister in that we take forward the gospel. No matter who you are, you have a ministry. Amen. Now, some of us, our ministries have grown into more specific areas and things, and some of us may be a preacher or a Sunday school teacher, or you may work in the bus ministry, or you may work in, in children's ministry, or whatever it may be, but we are all of us the ministers of Christ. We are His servants. So we are the recipients of stewardship. Then we see the responsibility of stewards. There is one thing that we are told is required of stewards in verse number 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That is the responsibility of a steward. The responsibility of a steward is to be faithful to God. Amen. To be faithful to our ministry, to take forth that precious seed. Amen. And that word faithful, it means to be, uh, it means to be true, trustworthy, consistent. Amen. That is the requirement for stewards, that we are going forward, that we are faithful to God, amen, that we can be counted on, amen. If you're a Christian, you ought to be trustworthy, amen. That is a, that is a, a tenant and a, and a responsibility of a Christian is to be trustworthy, that we don't, don't vow a vow and break it. The Bible said you better to never vow a vow than to vow a vow and break it, that when you say something, that it, you know, y'all know how kids are, kids will say something or you say something to a kid and they'll say, well, do you promise? Right? Do you promise? Do you promise? And when they say that, what they mean is this. Do you really mean that? Well, really, we shouldn't have to promise to mean what we say. Amen. When we say it, we should mean it. And when we say, well, I, I'm going to be a part of this ministry, then we should determine in our hearts, well, I'm going to be faithful to that. Amen. If I'm going to be a witness, I'm going to be faithful to that because it's required in stewards that they be found faithful. And the responsibility of stewards, you said there in verse 1, is that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. And so what are those mysteries of God? 1 Timothy 3.16, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And this is it, colon, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So what's that talking about? The gospel. Our responsibility as stewards is to be stewards of the gospel. Amen. That's the story of Jesus Christ in 1 Timothy 3.16. And truly, the whole Word of God, and we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. But specifically, our responsibility as stewards is to the gospel. Our requirement is to be faithful. And then we see the review of stewards, and I'm not going to focus on this, but I just want to mention it, and then we'll move on. In verses 3 down through verse number 6, Paul explains that we are not responsible to each other. We are not responsible to ourselves as stewards. We are responsible to God. Amen. Uh, the review of stewards, that is, those who are 
the one who is watching us and making sure that we're being faithful. The one who is checking what we're doing and making sure that it is for the right reasons. The one who, as he read there and said, that, that makes manifest the counsel of the hearts is not you and it's not me, but it's God. Amen. In Romans 14, 4, Paul wrote this, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Amen. So what does that really mean? Here's, here's what I believe Paul's trying to tell us very simply. As he was speaking to those people of Corinth, they were having disputes among themselves over who was better, Paul or Apollos. Amen. Well, this is my favorite preacher. Well, that's my favorite preacher. Well, these two disagree, and I think this one's right, and I think that one's right. And, and it became a man-worship and man-warring thing. Can I tell you today that most of that that's going on is just noise. It's vain and profane babblings. And what we need to understand is it's not my job to judge another man's servants. I don't have any servants. I'm just a servant. I'm God's servant, and it's His job to judge all of His servants. Amen. So as we go forward, I want you to remember a couple simple truths, and we're going to look a little, more, a little bit more deeply at this idea of stewardship. Simply three things I want you to take with you from these verses, and that's this. First, we are all stewards, and we're stewards over the mysteries of God, and that's the gospel. Amen? We must be faithful in our stewardship. It's required. I know, I know that some people don't like that word. Well, couldn't it just be a suggestion? Well, we don't want to draw such a hard line. Well, I didn't draw the line. The Bible did. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And then we understand this, that our standard, our, our, our judgment, our, our understanding of what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is bad, and if we are being faithful or unfaithful, is not determined by the wiles of men. It is not determined by what I think about me. Now, that right there is the real kicker, isn't it? But it, look at what Paul said in verse 3. I don't want to get hung up on it. But Paul said this. He said, in the end of it, I judge not mine own self. Huh. Well, I thought that I was the authority over me. According to Paul, what I think about me is really not that important. Because I'm not my servant. I'm his. I judge not mine own self. The one who judges is the one who will make manifest the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know who that is? That's God. And every man is responsible not to himself, and our standard is not established by men or ourselves. It is established by God. Amen. Let's look first at the position of a steward. In this passage, we understand that he's speaking about stewardship, and you say, well, what exactly is that? Well, Webster's 1828 defines a steward as a man employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns superintend the other servants, collect the rents or income, keep the accounts, etc. In other words, a steward is a servant who manages everything for his master, but who himself owns nothing. Amen. A steward is someone who has been trusted with the watch care over something that belongs to someone else. That's what a steward is. A steward is a special type of servant. It's not just your run-of-the-mill average servant. A steward is only a servant who the master feels he can trust. Amen. Amen. For example, it, uh, you know, and this isn't exactly a, a direct modern equivalent, but say you were to hire some company 
to come in and redo the wiring or the plumbing in your house. If it was someone who you knew well, amen, like a family member or a friend of the family, you might say to them, well, it's fine, I'm going to be at work all day, but I'll just leave the key under this on the porch, amen, and you can go in and you can do the work, and when you're done, we'll pay you and I'll be taken care of, amen. But if you were in an area where you didn't know anyone, and you were bringing in some company and you didn't really know the people who were working, you didn't really know the person who was over them, then you might not be quite so trusting, right? Now, both of them are intended to get the same job done, to go in and do the work, but one would be considered a type of stewardship because you are entrusting them with what is yours in your absence. And that is exactly what God has done for all of us. We read in 1 Timothy 3 how that, that Paul said that the Lord Jesus was received up into glory. And when the Lord ascended there, there in the beginning of Acts, and how that they watched and they said, Why stand you here gazing? And the Lord went up into heaven, that there He stands and sits at the right hand of the Father, and He is remaining there until the time for Him to come and call us again unto Himself. During His absence, physically on this earth, we are the stewards of the things of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then He said, ye are the light of the world. Y'all know that? He said, I am the light of the world. But then he said this, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid in Matthew chapter 5. And when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and then he said, ye are the light of the world, here's what he was saying. I'm going to be gone, and while I'm gone, I'm going to be entrusting you with some things. Amen. Some things that belong to him. Y'all know that this is not our church. This is not my church. It's not your church. This is God's church. It's the church that belongs to God. The church that belongs to Christ. It is His bride, His church, and we are stewards of it. It's our job to take care of it in His absence. That is the definition of stewardship. But, but to just even narrow it down a little bit more, when it comes right down to it, a steward may be a glorified servant, but they're still just a servant. Amen. Being the number one servant still makes you a servant. And our job is to serve God. The design for stewardship. We know what a steward is. It's someone, as we said, who manages everything for his master in his master's absence, but who in himself owns nothing. But the design for stewardship is this. It is that, generally speaking, uh, stewards were those trusted servants who in the absence would take the watch care, and it would be their job to watch over those things that didn't belong to him, as we read in Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For He hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Say, what does that mean? Very simply this, as I discussed, being a steward for God is the, the definition of stewardship. And you might think in your mind, well, okay, so that's the preacher, that's the deacons, that's the Sunday school teachers, and that's this, but that's not me. No. If you've got anything in life, you're a steward. You're a steward of your money. You're a steward of your family. You're a steward of your job. You're a steward of your house. You say, well, no, 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 no. Those, those things are mine. Sure they are. Just like all of Job's things were his. And then in one day, he lost everything he had. You know why? Because nothing we have is ours. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means the earth and everything that's in it. The whole world. The gravel is God's. 
The water is God's. The air that you're breathing in right now, that's God's. Amen? This suit is God's. And I'm just living on God's time. That's me. Just a steward. And that everything God has blessed me with, He is lending to me. We know that because the Bible very plainly tells us that when we leave, we can't take any of it with us. Amen. Y'all have heard plenty of jokes about the man who died and he told his wife, when I die, I want all my riches to be buried with me. And she, she was like, well, you know, what about this? Well, he said, I don't care. I don't want anybody else to have it. When I die, I want everything I got, all my money, get it out and put it in the coffin with me. I'm taking it with me. And there as they're about to lure him into the gravesite, she wrote him a check. Because you can't take it with you. There's no, there's no banks on the other side where you can get that cashed. When you leave, it's all here. Amen. It's just something we're borrowing for a while. And eventually the day will come when the Lord will return like the master to his steward. And when he does, he will judge us. Amen. Say, amen. I like that idea. No man can judge me. Hallelujah. You might ought to think about it. Because what we're saying is this. No man can judge me. Amen. But God does. It's like that statement. Amen. God, only God can judge me. You should read the Bible. He's a pretty harsh judge sometimes. In fact, I'd say God can be a lot more harsh than us a lot of times. And one day when He calls us out or He comes back, that moment of when we stand before Him, we're going to be judged based on what we did with what was His. Amen. That's the design for stewardship is that God has left some things in our care. And then we understand the desire for stewardship because you might say, well, you know, really, I, I want to do more for God and, I, and I, I, want to, I want to be more for God. And Paul told Timothy there in 1 Timothy 3, 1, this is a true saying, a man, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Because I think sometimes in the work of God, when you become a part of a church and a part of the work of God, you think, man, I, I want to I be in charge of more. I want to have more responsibility. I, I want to be over this and I want to be over that. And it is a good desire to seek that the Lord would trust you with more. But let me tell you this. To whom much is given, of him shall be much required. When we have more given from God, say, well, all I am is this, or all I, all I do is I, I'm over a little bit of the, of the music, or I'm over a Sunday school class, or I'm over this, or I'm over that. You, you, better, you better get into proper perspective what it means to be involved in any fashion of leadership in the work of God. That God will require from you that you be what? Faithful. I, heard, I read a quote this morning from a preacher who said, Consistency is the most important thing in ministry, but it's also the most difficult thing in ministry. Amen. So what does that mean? Just being there. That's what God wants. Well, I've never had a Sunday school class I could teach, or I've never got to be involved in this ministry or that ministry or this ministry. Well, let me, let me help you with something. When the Lord goes looking for people to put in certain positions... He goes to the faithful, not the smartest, not the best spoken, not the most charismatic or the most gifted. He goes to the obedient and the faithful. That's what he's looking for. Amen. We have seen here the position of a steward. Let me move quickly. We see the purpose of a steward. Understanding what a steward is, what exactly does this mean? Concern to God. Well, what is a spiritual steward's job? Well, we know from our home passage here as we read that the purpose of a steward is to protect his master's domain. 
One of the key responsibilities of a steward when his master would be gone during this time is to take care and protect what's there. Amen. Amen. And there's a lot that goes into that. And honestly, you could preach a whole message just on that thought. But we're to protect the Word of God. Amen. Y'all do know that it is our job to uphold the sanctity of the Word of God. You do know that the Word of God is under attack right now. Amen. You do know that everybody's doing everything they can to tear down the Word of God and that our responsibility as stewards of the mysteries of God specifically is referring to the gospel and God's Word. We ought to keep it, not just a, amen, you know, we like to holler, amen, I'm a King James Bible only, but it's easy to say that and then never read your King James Bible. If you're a a steward, a good steward, is not someone who does not spend time in the things his master's left him. A good steward does not sit inside and watch TV or do whatever and let everybody else go take care of all the work. A good steward will go amongst the work. Amen. If he was a steward of a master who had great cattle, he's going out and checking the cattle. He's going out and checking with the moneylenders. He's going out and he's checking with the crops. He's watching over those things. And so is our job to watch and to watch over and read and understand and learn and to stand for the Word of God. Amen. We must uphold the sanctity of God's Word, which is done through our study and through our standards. Amen. I know that the world is against standards, but I find that my Bible's full of them. And that's a little bit of a problematic contradiction. Amen. We are stewards to protect His Word, to protect His work. Amen. That we are to do Christ's work. And can I tell you today, Christ's work, it has many faces. If you signed up on the back, back there, to clean the church, that's the work of God. Amen. It's being a steward of the, of the house of God. Amen. I believe that. If you are involved in the music, if you're involved in Sunday school, if you're involved in outreach, if you're involved in anything, if you're counting money or you're doing this or whatever it may be, you're, you're doing something, whether in your mind you think it's big or small, you're a part of the work of God. But can I tell you that our primary work, as we've said over and over and over again, is also specifically tied to the Word, and that is to take the gospel to people. God's work, the ministry, is people. Y'all ever heard the ministry be great if it wasn't for the people? That's funny, isn't it? Because the people are the ministry. The ministry is the people. God's, God's Word going forth, if there's no one to hear it, then it's of no effect. We need people. We need people in the church, and we need the people in the church to take the Word of God to the people outside of the church. It's about the people. It's about souls. God's people, God's stewards, should be about souls. That is is what we mean when we say that it is not only the steward's job, his purpose to protect the master's domain, but to promote his master's dominion. We're supposed to add people to the kingdom of God. Now, you and I know that I can't physically add someone to the kingdom of God. But I can go out there, as he said, into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. In fact, if I don't, how are they going to hear? How are they going to hear if we don't go out and say, well, God God will send something. That's right, you. (laughs) He sent you. You do say, well, no, that's the preacher's job. You know there's a lot of people in your home, in your family, in your life that you interact with on a regular basis that I will never meet. I may never meet some. There's a good chance I'll never meet everybody that that someone works with in the church. I'm reluctant to call out a name because I don't want you to feel like I'm, you know, 
you will never meet all the people that I've worked with in my life. Brother Marty said, go ahead. So I'll use Brother Marty. Brother Marty, you drive a truck and you work in that, you work around guys. You asked for a prayer request for a guy the other day. Maybe I'll have a chance to meet some of them if they come to church, but many of them I'll never meet, but you will. Amen. And, and that means that God has opened doors in your life that he may never open in my life or Brother Joe's life. Never. That's your ministry. So what's my ministry? I just told you. Your kids are your ministry. Your family, your friends, and, and extended family, the people you see at work, that's your ministry. That God has put you in a place to be over some things while He is absent. Because guess what? He won't be absent forever. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. I want you to see some verses here real quick. Matthew chapter 25. And verse number 24, a very common parable that we speak on and look at a lot, and, and it so strongly ties into this concept. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 24. I'm like, this verse don't match. It's because I'm in Matthew chapter 24. That makes sense, wouldn't it? <clears throat> it's the parable of the talents, and the talent is a set amount of money. It was a large sum of money. And in this parable, we won't read through all of it, just that there was a, ma there was a master in, in verse 14 that said, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. He gave to one five talents, one two, and another one. And it says in verse number 15 that he gave to every man according to his several ability. That means that he as the master judged how much of them, how much each servant could be trusted with based on what they had proved in their ability. Amen. And so what he did is he gave one five, one two, and one one. And so these talents were given to these servants, and then the master departed for a time, and while he was gone, uh, some of these servants, we know, two of them, the one with five and the one with two, because they knew their master and how that he was, and that he liked to reap where he didn't sow, and that he, was gonna, he wanted to increase, amen, they took their five and their two, and they went out and they did the work, and they grew it into more. But the one who had only received one talent, he took it in fear and buried it into the earth. And in verse number 24, it said, He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Now, first of all, he should have never said that. I know how you are, and I know what you like to do, and I'm just about to let you know that none of that happened while you were gone. That was not smart. Verse 25, And I was afraid and went. And hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap uh, where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Can I tell you that when the Lord Jesus came to this earth, and he completed the gospel in his death, burial, and resurrection, he did not do so so that the disciples and those people that he spoke to during those three years of ministry could go to heaven. He did so that, so that all men everywhere, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Here's what he told Nicodemus. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him. He loved what, what? the world. He loved the world. The whole world. And here's what he said to that servant. He said, you're wicked and slothful. 
You know what slothful means? Lazy. Nobody likes to be called slothful. They come out with a movie a few years back. It was a Disney movie. And then them sloths, y'all remember that? Uh, what, I can't remember what it was called. Zoo something. Zoo, uh, Zootopia. I heard it from over here. Amen. I hated that. Every time they showed that preview and that sloth came on and it was trying to speak, I wanted to, I want, I'm going to be honest, I wanted, I wanted to kill that sloth. I thought, come on. It was annoying. And some of y'all are thinking, that was hilarious. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I really am. But I didn't. My wife also hated it. Maybe that's why I hate it. Maybe I heard her talk about it so much it made me hate it. But the fact is, a sloth is not something I want to be compared to. Amen? A frustrating, slow creature that would never get in a hurry and get after it for nothing. Amen? And that is what this master compared his servant to. Which one? The one who was given one. And by the way, it's telling that the master only gave him one. But one was still quite a bit of money. There were other servants he didn't trust with anything. And when it came time, the master returned, and his job was to grow what his master had, to promote his master's dominion. That is our job. Our job is to take what God has given us and to try and grow it. Now, we know Paul planted, Apollos watered, God giveth the increase. It is not our job to fabricate growth, but it is our job to do the work faithfully and to seek growth, to work for growth. Amen. There are things outside of our control. Sometimes, like Brother Scott, when we went on visitation a couple weeks ago, you'll go to a door and you'll hear a no yelled out from deep inside. No idea why you're there, but there, that, that's, not, that, that's not that good fertile soil ready for the seed that we talked about. Sometimes you'll do that, but that is no excuse for doing nothing. A fear of rejection is no excuse for doing nothing. That's exactly what happens right here in Matthew 25. Lord, he said, look, look there, verse number 25, he said, I was afraid. Well, I'm shy. I'm not a people person. Maybe this steward just was not very money-minded. The other two were very good with going to the money exchangers and, and working things and, and growing what they'd been given. But this guy, he just didn't have the money for mine. Maybe he was more of a hard worker. And so he thought, I'm going to mess it up. And man, what if I lose what he gave me? Oh, my goodness, I'll just do nothing. And he was judged because he did nothing. Laziness, fear, or just not being that kind of guy or that kind of lady is no excuse for doing nothing. We are stewards. We are. And it is our job to be faithful to that work. Amen. It's not just the preacher's job. It's our purpose to, to protect the master's domain. It's our purpose to, to promote his dominion. It's our purpose to perform the master's wishes, his, his directions. And this is the simplest and most straightforward probably of all the stewards' duties, and yet it's one we struggle with the most so often that when the Lord leads us, we resist, we push back. Right now, this morning, as I'm talking about being a witness, I'm talking about taking forth the gospel, some of us in our hearts, we're feeling that resistance. Well, I, I, I could never pass out tracts. I could never go up to them and tell them about the Lord. I could. Don't, don't let your own pride or fears prevent you from obeying the Master's directions. 
It is quite clear. There is no exception that all who are saved are commanded by the Word of God to go forward, teach all nations. Amen. That's our job. Amen. We are His servants, and our job is to serve. In fact, when we look at the passage from Matthew, we understand they were expected to perform things that He would want without the Lord ever expressly telling them to do it. In our passage in Matthew, it said this, He said, I know thee, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. The master did not say, here's a talent. Now when I get back, I expect to. He said, here's a talent. And then left. And they, because they knew the master, were to be about the master's work. Say, well, I've never felt the Holy Ghost come down and tell me that I need to go out there and pass out tracts. You don't need him to. Do you know the master? Because I can tell you right now what the master was about. He said this, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Period. That's it. If you know the master, then you better know what he'd be doing. And you better be about his business. Amen? Let me, let me hurry and we'll be done here. I want you to see the pattern of a steward. Luke chapter 12. You can turn there if you'd like. I'll just turn there quickly. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 37. We're given another example here where the Lord says in Luke 12, 37, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet will come forth and serve them. And if He shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Verse 41, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Find so doing what? Find being faithful. Amen. Watching and staying with the work. Of a truth, I say unto you, he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the manservants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Some very simple things we can understand that the Lord wants us to see about stewards, and that's this. There are two types of stewards. There are not three or four types. There are two. You may have noticed back in Matthew chapter 25, you read that whole parable, one of the servants had greater dividends than the other one. But they were both honored as faithful servants. Because it is required in stewards not that you bring forth a quota, but that you be faithful. Some in a ministry with the same doctrine in one city may see hundreds, thousands even saved. Another 
in another city with the same doctrine, the same God, and the same faithfulness? See, five, ten. Because it is God that gives the increase. That does not excuse us from the planting or the watering. That's our faithfulness. Our job is to be faithful. The faithful steward, as we can see in this passage, is watching while the unfaithful steward is wasting. It said there, it said, Blessed are those servants who, when the Lord cometh, shall find watching. See that? Y'all heard it said, you know, is that what you want to be? You better be about the Lord's work. He's coming soon, right? Jesus is coming soon. You see those bumper stickers? Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. Y'all seen that? Let, let, me, let me tweak that just a little bit. Jesus is coming soon. Be busy. When he shows up, I don't want to be, man, Lord, if you'd have waited another month, I, I had planned to finally start. No. You better be busy right now. You better get about the Lord's work now. Say, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I plan to get in church, and I plan to get right with God. I plan to get saved. Well, you better do it now. There's no promise of tomorrow. Today, now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, that's it. Well, I'm going to get in church, and I'm going to do right, but you better do it now, because the faithful steward was watching, because he, he knew at any moment the master might come back. You might be thinking, well, I, I'm not really saved, or I'm not this. Well, now's the time. So I'm saved, but you know, maybe I could do more. Maybe I should witness to this one. And, and yeah, you know, you've been preaching on, on sowing the seed, and the Lord's been sending us these things from the Bible, and maybe I need to do that. But I, you know, maybe, maybe 2022, I, I, I'll do it then. You probably ought to start today. You probably ought to start Monday morning at work. Get your Bible out during lunch and read it. You pro- Amen. Amen. Because a faithful steward is watching because he, knew the, he knows the master left, but at any moment, he could return. And that's why he's watching. The reason that we're not, I'm afraid, we don't really believe at any time he could return. Well, do I believe Jesus come back? Yeah, but probably not in my lifetime. That's what they all think. And he said if the, if, if the good man had known that the thief was going to come that night, he'd have watched and his house wouldn't have been plundered. Amen? Faithful steward is watching. The unfaithful steward is wasting. He's wasting God's time. He's wasting his time. He's doing anything he wants, and he's acting like he has nothing to be worried about when at any moment the faithful steward is reliable and the unfaithful steward is riotous. At the time when the Lord has left him to do the work, the faithful steward is about the work of the master. He is is. He is ready to go, and he is ready to do it. Whether God comes in the first watch, the second watch, or the third watch, doesn't matter. He is going to be ready because he is reliable and he is doing the work. And meanwhile, the, the unfaithful steward, as we read there, was about uh, eating, drinking, and being drunken because he said, my Lord delayeth his coming. And he starts beating the manservants and the maidservants, and he's drinking and acting like a, a hellion. Amen. The faithful steward, well, he's being reliable. He's where he needs to be. And he may not be the best there is, but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. The unfaithful, doing whatever he wants. Say what you want. You better believe the faithful. You know how it is. You ever been at work and you work with someone and they're just, they're just not a great worker? You know, you always have to say, come on, man, help me. You know, get off your phone or whatever, right? Come on, help me. Because some are just 
Some are more reliable and some are less. And you better believe this unfaithful steward, he's probably got people saying, hey, the master, should we be doing that? The master could show up anytime. Ah, he's not coming now. He's delaying. He, he always takes at least three weeks. He always takes a month. Nothing to worry about. And then that night, the master shows up. And when he does, the judgment is severe. The faithful steward is prepared. The unfaithful steward is pillaged. So he said, he said, if the goodman had known the thief was coming that night, he'd have watched. But he didn't know. And he wasn't prepared. And instead, he lost so much. The faithful steward is a builder. The unfaithful steward is a braggart. Ah, I got nothing to worry about. Problem is that the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, at an hour when he is not aware. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A person with a humble spirit is a person who says, if my master comes today, I want him to be happy with me. Right? Because a humble spirit is one who is submissive to his master. Can we agree? The Lord wants me to be here. He wants me to be faithful and he wants me to be in church and he wants me to be consistent and he wants me to spread the gospel and that's what he wants me to do. Then that's what I need to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And I may not do it perfect, but if I, if I can do anything, I, I just want to be faithful. I want to be consistent. The unfaithful steward says, it'll be fine. I got too much to do. I got some stuff I need to do. I'll take care of whatever he needs done later. Right? I'm going to drink. I'm going to eat. I'm going to party. I'm going to be merry. I'm going to do what I want to do. And eventually, if I have time, before he comes back around, because we all know that's not going to happen anytime soon, eventually I'll get around to doing what he wants. That's a prideful spirit. And the Bible says that a man's pride shall bring him low. The question is this, which pattern do you find yourself in? Amen? Now, I'm not my own judge. And what that means is this, I'm not responsible to decide if I'm right or wrong. Doesn't mean I'm not supposed to look at myself. But it means I'm supposed to hold myself to the standard of the Word of God. And the Word of God standard this morning seems pretty clear to me. God has given you things with watch care that are not yours. Brother Tim, big family, four children, all those grandbabies. But really, they're God's. Right? And whether the Lord has blessed you with one child or ten children, if, you're, if you have children, they are a heritage from the Lord. They're God's. And it is your responsibility to raise them for God and to be an example before them for God. Not when it's convenient, but consistently, faithfully, because it is only one thing is required in, in a steward, and that's faithfulness. Required in stewards. Say, so, I don't have any children. Well, you've got, you've got things in your life God's given you, friendships, a job, your finances, your ministry, 
the gospel? Are you a faithful steward? Because I'm going to tell you, the master will come. And he may come through the rapture, or your day may come. Because it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. When the master calls us to answer, I want him to say, thou good and faithful servant. Not because I'm a perfect man or I've done perfect things or a man I sure was, I sure was good at it. I just want him to look at me and say, look, you messed up a lot because I have, but you were faithful. Have you been faithful this morning? Can I tell you that if you haven't, today is the day to start. Don't make a New Year's resolution. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you to be a witness. Ask God to help you to raise your kids right. It's not too late. It's not too late to uphold the standard of the Word of God in your home. Well, I, I mean, I've done such a bad job before. Well, start now. If that, if that sorry servant had just woke up to himself, what am I doing? And turned it around before the master got there. When the master showed up, he might have said, well, you know what? I was hoping for a little more than this. But I can see you were at least trying to be faithful. Amen? He's merciful, long-suffering. If he wasn't, he'd have already called you out. But he hadn't called you out yet. If you're here this morning, there's still hope for you. If you're here this morning, there's still time for you to do the work of God. There's still time for you to be saved. There's still time for you to get right. There's still time for you to pick up your cross and follow Him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with it today? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.